Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm not Eric Boll, I'm B.J. Tanksley, State Legislative Director for Missouri Farm Bureau. This week, Farm Bureau hosted our 2020 Legislative Briefing. Tuesday and Wednesday, um, over 200 members from around the state joined Missouri Farm Bureau in Jefferson City. This is our marquee event hosted each year. Monday, Monday, we heard from Governor Parson and Director of Agriculture Chris Chin before the group took to the Capitol, where our members advocated on behalf of Missouri Farm Bureau issues of imminent domain reform, a biodiesel standard, and broadband access. Monday evening, members returned back to the Home Office, where we hosted our marquee event of the, of the evening, the Missouri Farm Bureau Annual legislative banquet. Agriculture and political leaders from around the state joined us here in the building where we heard from Congressman Luke DeMeyer, Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe, Attorney General Eric Schmidt, and Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. It was a great evening where we were able to uh, spend some time with ag leaders and then break bread with them as well. Uh, we thank everyone who was able to join us. Tuesday morning, the group reconvened where we heard from several panels uh, discussing issues of interest to Missouri Farm Bureau members. Tuesday morning, the group reconvened where we heard from several panels discussing issues of importance to Missouri Farm Bureau members. One of the marquee events was the broadband panel where Missouri Director of Broadband, Tim Arbeiter, as well as Missouri Farm Bureau consultant on broadband issues, Janie Dunning, joined President Blake Hurst on stage to discuss the current status of broadband at the state and federal level, as well as what current initiatives are being done to connect more Missourians. At this point, we'll turn it over to the broadband panel so you can hear directly from them. I think if you picked up anything at all in the last 18 hours, we spend a lot of time talking about broadband. Uh, and we do that because, as you know, it's important. Uh, it's something that uh, rural residents in Missouri need and something that um, we deserve. And so I'm going to let uh, Janie start off talking about she's been working with us. I know a lot of you know Janie. Uh, former head of rural development here in the state and uh, been working with us for a couple of years and has been our uh, go-to person uh, on these issues. She understands the technology, she understands the issues, she's familiar with all the players in the field. So we'll let her uh, just maybe about a couple, three minutes, Janie, about what you've been up to, what you're working on. And we'll turn to Tim, who's the head of the uh, state office of our broadband. And as uh, Christian pointed out yesterday, that was uh, something we're very proud of, very happy that we had uh, we have a person doing that in the state of Missouri and it's paid uh, huge dividends already. So we'll let the first, both of them uh, make a short kind of opening comment about what they're up to and uh, then we'll visit a little bit and then open it up to questions. So Janie? Thank you, Blake. Um, just in a brief nutshell, the one thing that uh, Farm Bureau that we've been focusing on is the national policies. Uh, after, after our first year and our recommendations to the governor to have a state broadband office and get things kind of kicked off and a, and a Tim Arbeiter in the state to, to head state efforts, we moved to the national and focused more on the national policies. And the, the main purpose for that is we look at the policies and the regulations and how they uh, need to be changed so that we can bring a more level playing field to uh, broadband deployment in the rural areas. So that's been our main focus is on that. And then uh, a little bit later, uh, we stay on top of all the funding that's coming in the state, of which we've been pretty successful, but I wanna talk about why it's important that we continue on that. And then a little bit later, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the census 
and what's going on with the census and how broadband is going to be such a huge player and what you need to know about that and a few other things. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Tim Arbeiter, Director of Broadband Development with the Missouri Department of Economic Development uh, with key support in alignment with the Missouri Department of Agriculture, uh, which also helps fund uh, my position in the Office of Broadband Development. So before I make my comments, I just want to say to Blake, thank you to Farm Bureau. Thank you to you and your leadership team. Uh, and every time I, I call and, and need a little bit of assistance or a contact or you know just to dialogue a little bit about broadband development, uh, your team is always available to me. It, it, just the steadfast support that Farm Bureau supports the, the broadband efforts. Uh, it is very clear. It's very clear in the Capitol. It's very clear in the governor's office. And it's clear in both of our departments at Ag and in economic development. Uh, my office is just shy of two years old. Uh, I reside in economic development for the purpose of uh, touching all the various things in economic and community development. Uh, and when we talk about advancing the economies, all economies of Missouri, uh, core infrastructure is necessary. And if you had listened with Governor Parson here yesterday, uh, you heard his tenets of supporting infrastructure and workforce development, and of course, supporting the ag industry. Uh, probably some of the things that we're doing quickly, and we can talk a little bit more about what's going on at each of these items. The big priority number one for me right now is we have launched the state grant program. Uh, we are on the cusp and final stages of the grant review. 40 applications came in from 18 different companies uh, representing five different sectors, and all the districts of Missouri had uh, at least one application, some had uh, I think actually uh, within the teens, uh, but 40 applications total. So we're scoring and reviewing and analyzing the eligibility of those applications. Uh, all told, uh, it was a little over $22 million in broadband deployment and total projects. Grant requests totaled about just a, a smidgen over 6.3 million. Uh, I only have about 5 million that was appropriated this year. And so we're working diligently to select uh, the recipients and announce those. Our goal is the first week of March. We have several pieces of legislation uh, working through the Capitol right now, and I'm happy to discuss those uh, as needed as we go about, with the biggest one being uh, extending the, the sunset for the grant program itself uh, by six years, which would give us a, a pretty good longevity of numbers and rounds of, of deployment that we can go to the legislature every year and, and show the results. Uh, and then finally, just looking at uh, the future. What else can we do as a department uh, to leverage uh, state departments, state programs, on how do we reach more in broadband, broadband deployment with existing programs? And so that's just kind of a quick synopsis, but we can absolutely talk more, Blake. All right, so I have uh, just been appointed to a, a working group uh, that is part of the, uh, as part of the Farm Bill. Last Farm Bill, there was a broadband or a, a Precision Agriculture Task Force set up, uh, and I'm serving on one of the working groups. Uh, our actual working group will be talking about predicting uh, future demand uh, for capacity for broadband, which I think will be quite the challenge. Uh, but, but we all are in our farms as we start uh, using more and more precision farming, using more and more data as well. And one of the things we're finding, and I'll let Janie talk a little bit about uh, the different uh, what qualifies as good broadband and how that definition is changing. One of the things we're finding, we've always assumed that you need more download capacity than you do upload. 
Um, we want to, you know, we want to be able to get information, we want to be able to go on the internet, do all those things. But as we get into precision farming, that uploading becomes very, very important as we have move data around from our farms to the providers of various things that data can do for us. So, so that becomes a question too. So I'll start out with uh, asking Janie, um, what is good broadband? First, no, let's do something else. How many of you are happy with your broadband? How many of you got broadband service that you think is adequate? And how many of you are just mad or hops about the fact that you don't, you're paying way too much or it's slow, or both? Everybody's paying too much, obviously. So that's you know, and that's about a normal, uh, about a normal, I think, answer to that question. It, it, somewhere in, you know, somewhere, 40, 50 percent of people got access. Uh, the rest of us do not. Um, as it turns out, what's really strange about my, our situation on our farm is uh, where our greenhouse is and our farm is, which is on two miles of gravel road. We got fiber optic cable, and uh, where I live, which is in a small town, uh, we don't. Uh, so, so we actually have better broadband in the country than we do in our small town, which is, I think, probably unusual, but it happens. Um, one of the things we're finding is people can be a mile or two away from tremendous service, and they're still basically on dial-up, and it's just unbelievable the, how uneven it is. So talk a, little bit, talk a little bit about what is good broadband, and then talk a little bit about statistics and mapping, and uh, how do we know where we are? Okay. Well, I think I'll start out by saying, uh, and, and I've, heard, I've heard Mr. Hurst say this many, many times, that fiber is the gold standard. And he says that for a reason. Fiber optics is the, the technology that, that's what we call future-proof. That means that as all of this new technology comes down and things happen, and the more upload and download that you need, fiber can handle that. It's, it's, it's future-proof. The problem is it's more expensive to deploy and to install at the very beginning, which is why uh, we see a lot of, of either what's called fixed wireless or, or just plain wireless or, or uh, unfortunately DSL is still pretty prevalent in our rural areas. So just to give you a, a, a look at how that, what that looks like in the state of Missouri, Missouri has about 27% of the broadband um, that is being provided is through fiber, okay? We still have 86% availability of DSL in the state. And I don't, does anybody have DSL in here? Oh yeah, are you happy? No. Oh no, can't be. So I think uh, what Blake has mentioned, we, a lot of people think of broadband as being a social media, that it's your Facebook, that it's your email, but for those of us that are in business, or which includes farming, or we're living in a small rural community where we need the distance learning and the telemedicine, there's not been a lot of discussion. All of the discussion, all of the weights that our federal uh, funders provide, they base everything on a download speed. Everything is based on a download speed. And so that, that again, yeah, you can do your email, and yes, you can do your, your Facebook or your social media, but if anybody has ever tried in, in, with a low speed to download a, a Netflix movie or anything, one of your kids, they sit there and they watch the, the, the spinning wheel of death for quite a while before anything happens, if they're trying to download a game. But we're talking about things that are not essential. When you get to the farming, when you get to education, when you get to telemedicine, 
we have got to start talking and we have to start. Um, it's in one of my three areas of where do we go from here, Blake, and what do we want to work on? That's one of them is how we get the federal regulations to recognize that uh, the symmetrical speed, the, the upload is just as important as the download. So that's critical. Uh, you mentioned mapping. Um, that's, that's an interesting thing we've been talking from the very beginning. It is not fixed yet. Um, but we do have FCC's attention. They have, legislation has gone into place. A lot of things are happening in that area, but it's not gonna be a quick fix. And I think the biggest concern is we just had, we, we're delivering huge amounts of money nationally uh, based on maps that are incorrect. And that's, that's a big issue for us. So, um, what else right now? <coughs> Sure. Uh, actually, what I can actually speak to uh, related to the actually applicants for the grant program, I would say predominantly majority of the applicants are are proposing a, a hundred meg symmetrical and gigabit symmetrical on majority of them. There are a handful of applicants that are proposing 50 meg symmetrical, and also there are a few that are also proposing uh, 25.3, which is the, for the state of Missouri, the minimum definition of high-speed internet, 25 megabits down, three megabits up, which matches the federal. Uh, so by statute, uh, those are, are applications we can consider. Uh, we are tech neutral uh, as a state, uh, just as long as we have that certification by the provider uh, that says that they will meet that minimum speeds for the amount of connections that they're proposing. But they also must demonstrate the scalability of what they're proposing to put in that project area. What are they gonna do to up to speed in the near future? Uh, we wanted to see that as well too. So not just the minimum, but we're trying to ask them to look to the future uh, to go to, uh, you know, again, there's, there's a lot of different technologies are out there uh, from fixed wireless, uh, a fixed wireless fiber hybrid uh, cable, and then also uh, fiber to the home projects. And so we've, we've seen a mixture of those in the grant applicants. So let me hop over to mapping uh, a little bit and what uh, I'm seeing. We have uh, some good conversations going on, some possibilities for uh, mapping related to Missouri. Some states have done their own mapping. Uh, I'm gone about that. I will say there are a few challenges in that with the state doing their own, and, and I've heard from some of my colleagues when they've done their own mapping, uh, not all the major providers uh, and minor providers even uh, submit the data necessary uh, to build a core state map, uh, which really calls into question, you know, are we just building another map that you know doesn't it doesn't provide reliability? I think the emphasis here is uh, while the mapping is not you know, taken care of from the FCC just yet, uh, prior to this next fund that's going out, uh, I think the, the attention needs to go, let's see if we can accelerate that conversation. Missouri was a pilot state for that, that, that ex experiment. Could they move the mapping reporting, which happens now at the census block level, down to the structure? Where the broadband connection is on your parcel, reporting that structure at what speed? And so they tested Missouri and they tested Virginia and they used a, two different models uh, just to see if it would work on both ways and it did. They actually were able to quantify several things actually, but they, the ultimate test at the FCC or the actually industry associations 
that uh, underwrote it uh, was a significant mea culpa, which is uh, there, are, uh, at least in Missouri, of the areas that were analyzed, there were 300,000 locations that were reported as served that were technically unserved. So which means that, again, going to the structure gives a lot more accurate picture and gives our ability as a state to be more strategic and focused with the limited resources that we have. We're blessed that we have five million in our current fiscal year, but our governor uh, with our department leadership have uh, put in a $10 million request for the legislature. But we're also coupling that on being mindful of the federal programs uh, that are happening through USDA and the FCC. We want to maximize all of those resources. We liken the broadband deployment to the highway system. You know, the highway system got built because of all the players were at the table. You know, the feds, the state, the, the counties, the municipalities. Everybody is at the table working on this infrastructure that we call our highway system and keeping it updated, maintained, and expanding it. Same scenario as I see with broadband. Every player needs to be at the table in order to maximize this infrastructure getting out where it needs to get, which is the last acre, which is the, 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 end, of the end of the farms and out in the countryside that needs to get connected as well. So I'm, I'm gonna do this with a little bit of a trepidation. Uh, but Jamie, what do you think of the, uh, we, we've seen the first round of awards coming into Missouri. Uh, for broadband deployment, what do you think of how that process uh, worked its way out? He said that with due respect, I'm sure, because he knows how I might answer that. Um, so I, I'm going to take the high road today, Blake. I'm, I'm going to take the high road, but I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview of what has happened in Missouri with federal funding, because I think it's critical and what's coming up. So uh, the, the, the first one was the CAP 2 funding. Missouri was a, a very successful in that with I think it was 17% of the funds nationally. We had 11 providers uh, and 100 and, uh, 255 million, okay? The, yeah, <laughs> we nudge. Uh, what is critical about that and what I want you to hear, that was for something like 90, to reach 95,000 uh, locations in the state of Missouri and that was about 89 counties that's pretty significant and when I say that it might only be two or three or five locations in a county but 89 counties were affected by that the it the, the key is one provider received 68,000 locations and 68% of the funding and it was just announced to move forward so all of the awards have been made in CAF 2, with the exception of one, which is a $3 million one that we're still pending. So the bottom line is, which is why I'm taking the high road, they've been awarded, and so now our responsibility is to make sure, just to keep our eye on it, Blake, that they're actually doing what they say they're going to do. Because those awards were given on the basis that they would do 100 megabits per second. So that's CAF 2. If they do, what they say they're going to do, then Missouri will be in a much better place with those awards. We recently had USDA reconnect announcements. That was $61 million for five awardees. Pretty impressive. Uh, it's pretty impressive. There was a municipality, 
There was electric co-ops, there was telephone co-op, there was a for-profit, pretty wide range. But here's what I want to tell you. In the CAP 2, the, the division between what I'm going to call fixed wireless, which doesn't really have that growth or future-proofing there, to the amount of awards that was fiber was more like, um, I'm going to say more like 60 to 70 percent fixed wireless, the other part fiber. All of the reconnect, 61 million, went for fiber to the home projects. Every single one of them. That's amazing. That's amazing. So with all of this, we also have another big announcement coming up, which is the what they call the Real Digital Opportunity Fund. We, we lovingly call it the RDOF funds. That is huge. It's the biggest ever uh, piece of money that's come to the state, uh, to the to the nation for broadband. That's a 20.4 billion, with a B, dollar investment. The first 16 billion will be for under uh, for unserved areas only. They're just taking out this mapping piece of with one being served in a census, everybody counted. So it's just totally unserved. And then the balance of it will be in a phase two uh, that will be for the underserved. And at that time, the FCC is hoping uh, that they have more what they call the granular or to the location broadband to make those decisions on. And, and why this is important, they've announced the eligible locations, and even with the 95 that we received on CAP, and I can't remember the number on, on the reconnect, but even with all of that, Missouri still has the six most eligible locations to receive that money in the nation. So it's very critical. All right, all right. Um, so I'm not even gonna ask uh, my fellow panelists to make a political comment, I, so I'm not to. Uh, what have you been seeing, um, maybe I'll ask them to fill, I'll, I'll set it up in such a way they can, they won't get in trouble. Um, a lot of you have been seeing that uh, the Clean Line Project is now saying they're going to take fiber optic across North Missouri, it's going to be wonderful. Um, that would be, of course, sort of the backbone of the system, but it would not be uh, connecting to people's homes. Just and Tim, if you don't want to go here, you don't have to. But just give us some idea of when you're doing a project, you got to have a big fiber running by, and then you got to connect it to everybody's house. Where, where's the money actually spent? Where the problems actually come? How big a deal is it that there will be one strand of fiber going across North Missouri? I'll just take a real quick, just an easy quick, because I've had a lot of conversations. And you know what? I don't work for the federal government anymore, so I'm not bound by anything except you. Um, <laughs> so I think I can say what I need to say here. Um, so all of these, you know, all this money coming in sounds really good, but when you have providers that bid, and I'll give this, I say this so it'll, it'll go to where you're going, they bid where they have the biggest concentration of residents. And even though they're going down to the rural areas, they're going to communities and the stuff, guess who's being left out? You all. The ones outside the communities, that last mile that's getting, getting out there, that's, that's a piece. Everybody I've talked to on this project, they, they, they think, you know, you have what we call the, um, 
their trunk line, which is where that, that can, we've got lots of trunk lines all over the state of Missouri. We've got lots of trunk lines, which is where things hook to, to go out to the homes and to the communities. The trunk lines is not, that's not typically the issue. The issue is how we get, and the expense of getting broadband from those trunk lines out to the end user, and especially out through the communities, past that to the farms and the people that, that live out outside of town. So when I've talked to these people who said, we're gonna, we're gonna put this through and it's gonna be a main line that runs through with, with fiber and everything, it's probably gonna be laying right next to an already existing trunk line that could be attached to anyway. So it's not, it's not going to be, in my opinion, it's not the answer. It's not hooking up the people. It's making it available across the state, but we've still got to get it out, and that's where we've got a, um, a weakness. So this is where we do point-counterpoint. Uh, <laughs> and so, aware of the project, uh, they did uh, visit with me on a couple of occasions, uh, you know, kind of seeking my, my counsel and, and just giving me an overall briefing of what uh, the project was going to do. And, and from my understanding, it was just that, that, that trunk line, what we would affectionately call middle mile uh, type of availability, uh, and knowing that it was going across northern Missouri. Uh, my encouragement to them is to, to and again, provide it to them key contacts of all the, the, the broadband providers along the way that potentially could be uh, partners with them as, as they looked at that particular asset being available, uh, as well as uh, having conversations with the current middle mile carriers. Because the other thing that's interesting when we talk about broadband and we talk about the end user, which is affectionately called the, the retail end user, also middle mile is the backhaul, it's the interstate of the, the World Wide Web. Uh, but then there's another layer that we probably don't always talk about that we need to, uh, and this is maybe where I put this in this category for this particular project. And there are other projects that are, are looking at their uh, asset deployment on how they can put broadband out there. Uh, this is probably gonna be in the vein of redundancy. Uh, and redundancy is that if something were to happen to the main trunk line or the main middle mile carrier and it goes down, that there's a redundant feature, that it just hops over. Uh, now again, that was just my briefing from them of what they were envisioning for the project. And again, for me as a, as a resource and a connector, saying, well, here are the key contacts along the way. But the encouragement of you also need to talk to the middle mile carriers as well too. And so, you know, that particular conversation is how that went, and then we have, you know, another entity that's looking at uh, broadband with their assets. Uh, because whenever you look at the, the fiber count that they're probably going to be putting in on the, on the lines or in the uh, deployment in, in the other case, uh, there could be a, a number of fibers within that, that strand that could be available. And again, I would probably look at it, and again, I, right, wrong, or indifferent, it, it could be an opportunity to expand uh, the core network and the ability to be redundant. Just remember that with the trunk lines that are there and even if this one happened, there still has to be, like you said, the negotiations between the rest and the cost for leasing that fiber, which um, I don't know has been discussed much yet. All right, we're uh, running a little behind. I see that Drew is here. I'll take a best go with one question or maybe two. Um, from the audience, if you have one, and if uh, not, I'll let our panelists 
uh, some of what they'd like you to leave here with. Right. Okay. But what I did take from that is that that last few miles, I'm guessing this is how it maybe sounded way back when you had to elect co-ops to bring in electricity. Is there any way that some of this can be done with a co-op? Uh, yeah, there is. And uh, several of them around the state have, uh, have are doing broadband. Uh, how many people get broadband in here from their REA? Uh, so some of the most successful projects in the uh, the state are, uh, have been done by co-ops. It's up to the individual co-op board. Uh, and some of them have been more willing. And it depends, of course, as Jeannie said, depends on the density of the population in the area that co-op serves on how well it works. But we are making the progress. And I think that uh, most of us would say, realistically, uh, that's where our future lies. I mean, that's, that's who we'll expect to do a lot of this as we move forward. Fair enough? Fifteen co-ops are providing some revenue. All right. No. All right. We'll just one more question. All right. We got one over here from Bill. Okay. I'm one of the fortunate ones that has fiber optic already, but I think I'm still only using under 10 megabits. Uh, if I go up to 100 megabits, what's the upcharge to me likely to be? Do you have any numbers on those parts of it? You know, it's kind of like what we, I'm glad you brought up the electric co-op. Electricity, everybody needs electricity and you govern your electricity when you flip on your switch by your light bulb and the watt you put in it. Everybody in this room uses broadband differently and for some, one megabits per second works. For some, 10 works. What we have to look at is where the, the ability that if you, need 100 megabits, you have the option to have that. So I, it, it just depends on what you're doing in your life with broadband, uh, but think about the communities and the abilities of a nurse. If you would ever get to the point, heaven forbid, that you would need somebody to come out uh, to take care of you from a nurse stand, nursing standpoint or a, a whatever, they can put uh, equipment now in there that can monitor you 24-7 without leaving your home, without traveling anywhere, but you can't do that on 10 megabits. So we're just thinking of all the times that anybody might need uh, a larger, but again, everybody's different in here to their needs at any given point in time. You know, the telehealth is a perfect example. Education with the homework gap uh, is another example, but also real world. Let me give you an example. I had a, a regional planning commission reach out to me and said, uh, is there a data set out there that exists on home-based businesses? And I said, you know what, let me go, let me go hunting. And I, I found one, and again, it was kind of a so-so source, uh, but it is a source. Uh, for this particular county that was being asked, uh, what was pulled from that data set was uh, 57 home-based businesses. Uh, were in that county. And uh, this particular regional planning commission looked at it and she goes, I don't recognize three quarters of these. I didn't even know that they were operating. Now, with that being said, 
the RPC and the, the county still would need to do the work to validate those 57. But even just knowing that home-based businesses are, are residing, and there are people who want to relocate to rural Missouri, but they resist, and I'm dealing with one particular gentleman, he and his wife want to relocate from Kansas City to rural Iron County on their 500-acre farm. And he goes, Tim, I run four businesses, my wife's in uh, television, she wants to do her own show, uh, I need some heavy, I need some heavy connectivity, you know, for the farm, uh, as well as for security and some other things, and we can't go to Iron County. We want to go there. We just can't get the connectivity. And so, again, it's based on what you use. If you're satisfied with what you're doing now, I would say stay. But if you start having trip-ups or hang-ups or you can't upload or download, then you, you just have to investigate with your provider and say, is it worth your monthly budget uh, to spend the extra money on that? So that, that would be your call. Uh, but I would say from, from the, all the programs that are available, we really want to encourage the applicants uh, to have affordable pricing. Because again, they're asking us as entities of the public uh, to help subsidize the deployment. Therefore, the consumer should also benefit on the other side. Okay, I'll close with one thing, and uh, this is a pretty 2020 is a pretty big year because it's our 10-year census, and I want to leave you with this thought. I oh well, <laughs> no, I'm not even going there. So. Uh, on the census, one thing to be aware of, we've, I've done some research on that and read and people have talked to me, uh, they're anticipating that about 80% of the census information will be gotten from online. They're, they're calling it internet first, trying to get you to, they're gonna mail out the packages, but they want you to do all of this online. Obviously it's easier on their end to go through a database, but, um, I, I just want you to be aware of it. And they've even got a place on their website where you can go in and call up your location to see your available um, uh, broadband to know if you can upload your information. It's a pretty good website. It's divided by county. I called up Shelby County. And it will also tell them on there what percent of the, of the uh, people in that county do not have access. So what they're recommending is that people uh, do do it online and if you don't have access to, to go to your library or whatever to load the information. But don't don't just say it's too much of a hassle. It's dependent on your, your vote, your information, it, especially where you all are outside of city limits in most cases and everything. It, your vote, it's, it gives us federal funding, it affects your congressional districts, it affects everything. So it's really critical. And I wouldn't be who I am without issuing a challenge. Uh, in this regard on the census, uh, you're highly connected right here. You're, you're a voice for this organization. You have voices in your own county related to Farm Bureau in the census. Create an event, make it a Farm Bureau event at the library, at the, the regional rural library, and make it an event. Make it an opportunity to connect with people, and while at the same time, you're hopping online and getting your census stuff done. Uh, just, a, just an opportunity and a unique way uh, to advance Farm Bureau in the county level of working with, we've been working with the state librarian's office and the regional network of rural librarians, and they are awaiting people like you to help them out in spreading the word. All right, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Janie. Thank you for your good attention. And uh, I hope we've uh, provided a little information that was helpful to people about broadband.
We would like to thank everyone who joined us at the 2020 Legislative Banquet and thank everyone who took part. Um, again, thank you to Tim Arbeiter and Janie Dunning for being part of this great broadband panel and the insight that they bring to the issue. Missouri Farm Bureau spends a lot of time talking about broadband because it is vitally important to all of our members. Thank you for listening in to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm BJ Tanksley, and please join us next time on the next episode of Digging In.